I would like to welcome Professor Luis Enrique Goudak here in Amsterdam at the European Society of Cardiology annual meeting. Thank you very much for accepting our invitation, coming from very far from Brazil, Sao Paulo, where you work at the Heart Center. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. And yesterday uh, you had a very interesting session, a very, a very interesting session and your title was very intriguing. How can we optimally treat patients with chronic coronary syndrome in 2023? Do you think that we don't treat them optimally? Well, you know, we have to address two issues when we are treating patients with chronic coronary syndromes. When you think about coronary artery disease, you have to deal with mortality and quality of life. And when you think about mortality, we have data showing that for, for the past 30 years, there has been a steady decline in the mortality rates related to coronary artery disease. But if the patients are dying less, which is good, we don't want them to die, we have to deal with the growing number of patients with a chronic condition. That's why now we call it chronic coronary syndrome. And not only that, most of those patients may have angina. So now we have to deal with quality of life. So we are addressing a, a, a quantity of life, mortality. But what about quality of life? This is as important for the patient as the mortality. And what do you think, the other word in your title, what is the optimal treatment in 2023? Okay, first I would say that for the doctors that are listening to me, we have to be very careful in taking a medical history because you know angina is a symptom. So the patient has to tell you, you know doc, I came to see you because I don't feel well. But it could be many things. So the doctor has to be very careful in assessing that medical history. It could be angina, particularly for women, for instance. Usually they say, you know, I may have this funny feeling in my chest when I exercise, when I try to exercise, and then I have to stop. And then that discomfort goes away. That could be angina. So you have to be careful in getting the suspicion of the angina. And then you have to treat angina, anti-angina therapy. But you know what? To treat optimally those patients, it means you have to offer a fast, safe, you know, and effective treatment for angina. And I guess we have a lot of work to do in trying in, to make this optimally for those patients with angina. I think we have room to improvement in those scenarios. You presented it. Uh yesterday uh, this uh, in this session uh, this summary but today in another presentation you talked about your observational study which addressed this question uh, can you talk about the we good study to absolutely us? thank you thank you for this opportunity because the we good was a, the largest study in brazil for patients with chronic coronary syndrome we enrolled more than 1000 patients across 70 health facilities in brazil so it's the largest one. And the question was like the one we are discussing right now. So I see a patient in my office, this is just clinical practice, routine, and the patient is still symptomatic, and the doctors decide to prescribe whatever they want. But the patients were still symptomatic. So the question was, what would be the benefit of adding trametazidine in a very particular, very specific presentation, 80 milligrams once daily, this is important, 80 milligrams once daily in terms of effectiveness, safety, tolerability for the number of angina attacks, the percentage of patients free of angina, exercise tolerance, 
tolerability, safety, adverse events, you name it. So we did a, a huge work in assessing what would be the benefit in this combination on top of any other antianginal background therapy. What were the most important findings? The most important findings were that uh, if you add traumatazidine first on top of whatever you're using, clinical practice, you get a 78% reduction in the number of angina attacks after only three months. Then you will increase the percentage of patients free of angina after three months in fivefold or by fivefold. Means that uh, the drug is really effective in controlling symptoms. But what about tolerability? What about safety? Well, we ask the patients and we ask the doctors, how did they perceive the treatment? And you know, 97% of the patients were quite satisfactory. They, they said, you know what, the treatment is very satisfactory. I'm happy with the treatment. And 95% of the doctors said, I'm happy with the, treatments because, with the treatment because my patient is doing fine. So the message here is we have to follow the steps like we are doing for hypertension, for diabetes. Now we are offering from the beginning early combinations. It's a syndrome, it's not just a single disease. So why for patients with angina, we have to go step by step, step by step. It takes months to get the patient free of angina. And we have two tools to make it different, to make it better for the patient. So, according to the study, you think that we should use trametazidine and more metabolic drugs in general very early in the treatment in combination with other drugs? Absolutely. In, our, in, in the Brazilian guidelines, we have this message. We have this message. So, offer to your patient, according to the clinical profile, the blood pressure, the heart rate, but most likely you will need a combination of agents with different mechanisms of action attacking different modes of uh, the ischemia. What, what's causing ischemia? So when you offer this combination of a hemodynamic agent, like a beta blocker or a calcium channel blocker, with trametazidine, the only metabolic agent we have in Brazil, you get nice results. You get your patient free of angina, the patient could exercise more, the drug was well tolerated, and it was well perceived by doctors and patients. Uh, in general, where do you see the role of uh, trimetazidine or metabolic agents in the treatment of angina? Do you give it to all comers or uh, do you select patients? The only contraindication, absolutely contraindication for trimetazidine use is if you have a, a particular neurological condition, Parkinson's disease. The other one is if you have uh, a degree of uh, renal dysfunction you have to make a dose adjustment. So uh, I will be careful with patients with renal dysfunction. But other than that, all comers, there's no contraindications because you don't, you don't have to look at the blood pressure. There's no effect on blood pressure. You don't have to look at the heart rate, like if you're using a beta blocker or some calcium channel blocker. So you, you don't have to worry about anything. You just look at the renal function. If the renal function is okay, you can go with the 80 milligrams. If the renal function is moderately com compromised, you can go with the lower dose, like the 35 milligrams, and if it's severely compromised, I will not use the trametazidine, but basically it's for all comers. All comers, easy to use, safe, and you see the results very quickly. In summary, what do you think, what can be your short message to our audience in conclusion? Thank you for that, because it's very important. So, listen to your patients. They are telling you the diagnosis, so try to get 
the first, the, the right diagnosis from the medical history, that could be angina, that funny feeling could be angina. Then don't waste time looking for step by step. Okay, I'll give this to you and then come to see me three, three months later or six months later. No, we have the tools to offer to our patients with angina a fast, safe improvement in quality of life. Our patients deserve that. Thank you very much for the conversation. Thank you, it was a pleasure.